0: Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry.
1: Welcome back to PR360. Our guest today is Bob Bilbrook an accomplished and visionary CEO with over 25 years of experience in the emerging markets and technology space. He is the founder and CEO of Capture, a business services firm that specializes in channel and partner programs, digital marketing and technology programs, sales and business development programs, and alternative startup funding programs. Many programs. we got a lot of programs going here. Uh, With... (coughs) With a distinguished career that spans iconic companies such as Samsung and Newegg.com, Bob has consistently demonstrated his prowess in sales, marketing, channel development, product management, and the ever-evolving realm of emerging technologies. He's also a prolific thought leader who shares his insights and vision through his published works and media appearances. So, he's going to add to that with uh, coming on the PR360 podcast today. Uh, How's it going, Bob?
0: Good, good, Todd. Thanks for having me today and always fun to talk about these uh, subject matters that are very close to my heart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great. So uh, if you could just start with giving an overview of Capture, because uh, just from looking at it, it looks like a pretty, you guys do a lot of work, so. Yeah,
0: yeah, we actually do. We have a lot of uh, very large to very small clients, but I mean, in essence, we're a business services firm that actually aggregates our own technologies in some circumstances. So think, you know, uh, a Cap Capgemini, Bain, those are kind of some of our Larger competitors, you know, all the way down to the smallest, smallest um, uh, business services firms.
1: So let's say that uh, I'm a client and I'm coming to you for services. What does kind of the funnel look like? What opportunities am I going to see? what's uh, What's on the menu at Capture?
0: Sure. So companies approach us about many, many different areas, but channel um, sales, partner programs, um, things like that are kind of our specialty, and we do very technical, um, technology based programs in those spaces. So we're taking um, AI applications today and, um, you know, applying those to those channel and partner programs so that a lot of that in-person contact is now automated within those programs. And then we have portals and dashboards that help those clients manage and lead funnel those clients into eventual sales. Um, Today, that's very innovative with some of the um, capture meta and capture AI platform technologies that we use. Um, In the past, those had been like person to person relationship uh, building Mm -hmm. where now they're done digitally, um, which has helped us innovate our models and, you know, grow those businesses even bigger. Most of our programs are technology based uh, today. So even when we go out and we work with um, early stage startups and everything from making um, introductions to um, value chain members um, that they may be looking, um, you know, to connect with. Um, All the way to the sales and marketing and digital marketing um, platforms that we perform uh, campaigns and other things for other clients with today is all technology based with a mixture of that human intelligence, which is kind of um, interesting. I just did an article uh, not too long ago last week about that, about how the mix of human intelligence and AI is crucial in achieving the goals um, of um, these campaigns these days. In the near future, I think that might be fully automated. Um, <laughs> I, I would hate <laughs> yeah. to, I hate to, see to lose the human element completely, but um, I think we're heading more um, to the automation side, and I think it's increasing margins and lowering costs for companies, you know, across the globe.
1: So, how do you integrate AI into these marketing channels?
0: Yeah, so some of those um, uh, person-to-person communications that happened in the past now can be intelligently done where AI takes the place of those um, interactions, and they're just as effective. So it could be something simp- as simple as an AI chatbot um, that asks or interacts with a potential client or, or potential target um, uh, person um, in that value chain for the sales and marketing process. Um, and now replaces that with some intelligent AI. Chatbots would be the simplest um, pieces of that, all the way to the most complex, you know, with some of um, some of the stuff that we're seeing in um, fast serve or fast food um, marketplace where these AI elements are being implemented into not only the interaction, you know, at the drive-through, but also in the payment interactions um, with those clients also. Payments are, you know, an innovative space in that because not only speaking or relating and communicating with a client is important, but obviously getting paid is an important piece of that also. (laughs) It's kind of what makes it all worthwhile, right? So we're seeing a lot of AI intelligence, not only on the communication side, but also on the payment and the transactional side also.
1: Yeah, I read something where you were commenting on White Castle Burger and how White Castle has implemented that. So far, has it been successful? Do you know if there's any types of glitches or you know once you start rolling something like this out you're gonna you know there's gonna be the the known unknowns as they say
0: yeah efficiencies uh efficiency in the system i think is the number one key factor and it's showing that right and what i mean by that is um you don't get errors in the orders when using mm. the ai powered systems because it's being inputted right into the intelligence of the system where a person can hear you know, small fry, and it literally wasn't a small fry. It was a medium fry that the person said, but this—the person, the actual human being—heard something differently, which help, happens in communication all the time. So we're seeing um, systems become more efficient, um, which is cutting down on waste because sometimes when uh, a, a you know a meal gets made that's not what the meal that the customer ordered, or there was miscommunication from the human to human side. Um, in these AI powered order systems, we're seeing more accuracy in the order and um, actually happier customers, which was always the argument against them. You know, the human interaction is going to take away from, you know, the human to human communication, which they thought would bring down sales and everything else. But it actually is quite the opposite in the data that we're seeing thus far. These systems are actually improving order. Um, Order taking, uh, communication within the order process, the transactional side of it, and actually improving the customer experience with that, you know, that brand or that um, that company.
1: Is it also a case where you know, obviously, you're training the AI to work with humans, where you have to train the humans to work with the AI? Because I don't know, I'm rolling up to White Castle at the midnight, and then I've got this screen in front of me. Um, is there, is there a bit of a you know, a, a reverse training that goes on and getting people to know and interact with these things.
0: Yeah, so it's a it's a good point you're bringing up because um, obviously that all has to take place. What we're seeing uh, more so than not is the automation um, taking place in silos of repetitive. Th- uh, actions that have taken place before. So meaning somebody has a rep- very repetitive job, like um, like in a manufacturing facility, like putting one screw in a certain thing within, you know, a, an automobile or something like that. Uh, just in, yeah. like automation and manufacturing, we're seeing automation in these um, communication models, not only in fast food, but hotels and other things where these repetitive actions like checking in, taking order, things like that are now being replaced by these AI systems. So currently, I mean, you do see a lot of human interaction, but you see it more at the system level than you do, um, you know, a human using some kind of AI tool to interact with another human. Usually that's very automated and that's the whole process. And the point is to cut down on the operational costs of a human being and actually take place with some kind of AI technology helping out with that. Um, The other thing that we see is... um, this, this automation is very costly up front, but yeah. in the long run, just like a leasing option or anything else where you spread cost out over a time period and that cost stays constant where with um, human interaction or a human employee, you have benefits, you have other things that have to go into the cost of a human being that um, an automated system does not have. So we see a lot of cost uh, operational cost um, reduction and also marginal increase because of the um, predictability of the costs within those systems now being replaced by you know um, uh, AI or you know other uh, systems that are making it more efficient
1: I guess this might be more of a philosophical question, but I was thinking uh, maybe five years from now I, I check into a hotel. Would a fancier hotel have an AI check me in because it would be the latest in technology this would be like at the forefront of Uh, luxury, right? To come in and talk to the AI or would the AI be more in the mid tier hotel? And I would want to pay for that extra concierge human touch, right? Does human touch now become a luxury in the world of AI or am I overthinking this?
0: Uh, I, I think you're, you're overthinking it and we've been overthinking it for (laughs) 10 years, right? So, so I'll give you examples of, of why, because 10 years ago, everybody thought, um, the the preference was to interact with that human being, but mm-hmm. speed and efficiency becomes even more important, and then personalization becomes even more important on that. Right, so a human being is limited by their brain capacity, right, and they can't re- they can't remember five thousand different tier one uh, whale type clients. But you know what, Vegas now is deploying systems that. Are AI enabled that do remember every preference of those whale type clients, and what they're doing is they're using these, these systems to drive more capital out of more of those premium clients. In the past, everybody had believed that these, you know, a, a premium client would not want to interact with an AI system, but these AI systems are so intelligent that they know that person's preferences better than any human being ever could. And the efficiency and speed of getting them checked in, getting them dinner reservations at their favorite restaurant, all this stuff is becoming very automated. So especially in the sense of restaurants, uh, uh, Las, Las Vegas and all the services and shows that they do, a lot of these systems are being adopted more quickly now than people thought because the preference is speed and efficiency. And it really is helping with speed and efficiency and it. And also the AI system knows that client way better than any human being possibly could, which, um, isn't surprising to me, but it's surprising a lot of people in those industries that don't deal with technology. It's just the nature of the technology makes it a better interaction.
1: And you don't have to tip AI, you know, you don't have to, I don't have to throw a hundred dollar bill at the guy, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the tipping part of it, it's, 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 uh, yeah there there there's other ways they derive that money and and absolutely so you you eliminate the human factor there and then more of that marginal and operational cost goes back into the pocket of the of the company offering those services now and I think that's the value they're honestly seeing with ai is hey we can we don't have labor disputes we don't have other things with ai we have just pure operational efficiency and that's very attractive
1: to those groups so uh, where are some other ways that you think AI is going to revolutionize our everyday lives in the near future? Uh, personal
0: assistance, uh, different things as we get more integrated with metaverse, AR, VR. <clears throat> it's always been our belief at capture. We maybe look at um, the metaverse a little bit differently than, say, some of these other groups. Metaverse to us <clears throat> is – metaverse is an overlay on your personal life, Right. Okay. It, versus a fully immersive experience, so AR, AR, VR, at least to begin with, will be a tool and an intelligent tool. You know, because AI is basically big data just transformed into the future. So anything you do um, will be AR, AR, and VR enabled. And in essence, you're living in the metaverse in the real world. I'll give you an example. You yeah. you're, you are at a foreign um, airport. And um, you you have the glasses as plainly as on your face as we see them now, and you just have a AR VR interaction with those glasses because glasses. I mean, there's a ton of glasses that are you know have that ability today, and that technology in the next couple of years is going to get even that better. But say you jump out at the airport, you never, you've never been to Dulles Airport, you program in what gate, all the information, and you don't have to program it in. It's probably being pulled in real time um, with gate updates wow. and everything. And it's telling you where to go, basically per direction on your AR VR enabled glasses. That's all AI enabled um, technology that is here today, but will be in more use in the future. So it'll lead to less um, less problems, less um, you know less interaction with the human capability. The other piece of that is, let's say your plane is um, delayed or rerouted or a plane change or a gate change or everything. It'll be that time data. AI enabled will be updated real time and then give you direction via your you know your AR VR components that you're viewing that information through so that your life becomes easier you know what I mean or you know it could be anything it could be even personal systems that say um, your babysitter's delayed or whatever whatever you know I, I call them um, personal managers you know personal managers or or um, personal Uh, assistance will become bigger and bigger um, to help run and manage your life. And I think that is kind of the lowest hanging fruit in the, in the technology integration and future of AI here is that you'll have personal assistants that will help you with everything, you know, and and it'll actually take the monotony um, and, and the repetitive stuff that you do today in your life. And it'll make it easier and actually remove those tasks from your life and do them, you know, in more automated ways.
1: See, I, I love how you're talking about that because that's a lot different than I think maybe the common outside of being inside of that space. People think metaverse and they think I'm, you know, I'm walking around the VR headset and I'm in some kind of fantasy world um, detached from mine. Not that it, it is a seamless integration into your everyday life that you're barely going to pay attention to. And it's just going to usher you along and make things more efficient, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think most people think
0: of Metaverse today is kind of like a video game. You go into a dedicated room with a dedicated AR VR headset and you immerse yourself into a world that's not your real world. That is not where the big money is going to be in Metaverse. (laughs) The big money in Metaverse is going to be finding the cheapest gas station nearby and literally locating me to that real time on my VR AR enabled glasses. That's an overlay of my actual life, you know, or you know find the best deal for a retail brick and mortar um that you know I have a last minute gift that I need and it's going to help me find that last minute gift get locate me to that area put in the order automatically via voice enabled um you know technology within that system and then have it delivered out to my car without me ever having to go into the store you know what i mean so those those are the practical ways that we see um, the quote-unquote metaverse being used and how AR, VR technology. And that's why you know we really like the Apple solution they brought together because those glasses, the way that Apple has designed them, um, allows you to see the real world more so than the immersive glasses that some of these other groups like Sony and Facebook have put together where you, you really are closed into a world that, does not allow you to see the real world. I think Apple mm. has the same vision, you know, and as many do, and including ourselves in the industry, that those glasses need to be transparent so you can see the real world, and then the stuff, the, the items, the operational efficiency stuff that you can use the glasses for are kind of the lowest hanging fruit and, you know, improve your life much more than me being a, a, a dragon in uh, some <laughs> castle-type metaverse game. <laughs> <That's> right.
1: <laughs> Yeah, because I was like, I don't need any of that. But getting through the airport, you know, on a layover sounds. I, I'm. That, let's do that. You know. Yeah, yeah <laughs> getting into the
0: airport is a much more efficient thing that I can use in real life. Being a dragon in a castle in a metaverse, you know, that's also available, and you probably do that also. Yeah. But you no, know, that's that's during your free time, just like uh, playing tennis or <laughs> you know, going right. for a run or something if you choose to do that. <laughs>
1: how are companies kind of putting a human face to ai automation cuz i think that's feels like something that's kind of ineffable to to communicate to people or to create so it's believable do you know um how, yeah, yeah how, how think, are we doing that yeah. yeah yeah i mean i've done a couple different articles lately
0: about that and there's some companies that are definitely working with robotics and other things that give kind of a more of a human face um, to this ai technology and, and they've been working, a lot of these groups have been working on it, you know, uh, for a long time. You know, Boston Robotics and a lot of these companies. I think I think culturally we've been trained that anything intelligent needs to have a face. I think that's just yeah. part of it, right? So ever since, like, 2001, A Space Odyssey, you know, like, even even, <laughs> even HAL has to have some kind of, you know, computer interface. Yeah, that has to, we're, we're in belief of that, right? So, um I think that's where things get interesting, though, because it's not necessarily um, robotics, although those will become a reality. And I think they're a lot further along than people realize. You know, it's just they haven't been rolled out because I think it is the human factor that instead of having a gate agent, that's a human being having a robotic gate agent, which is a reality today. I mean, that definitely could be a reality today. And it's just it's more adoption by humans on that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I would almost see – I think we will see some robotics in the next, let's say, like three to five years with AI technology, which will be very human-like interactions. But honestly, at the end of the day, what we more more so will see is probably more um, – probably kind of like avatars or these um, – through AR, VR, we'll see some kind of like digital figure that's going to okay. have AI technology. We, can, we kind of might – in some applications, I'm like in manufacturing stuff. We probably will see intelligent robotics that look human-like. Um, but as far as the um, you know interactions, like in what I would call service industry-oriented AI um, rollouts, we'll probably see m- more of a virtual assistant that will look human and have that those same intelligence um, uh, factors. Because if you if you think about it, I mean, why go through all the costs of rolling out a robot? Um, gate agent, when if somebody if everybody is wearing some kind of AR or VR and you can intelligently serve that through that system where they see that intelligent avatar or something that's directing them, you really don't need a robot and all that extra cost there. It's already done yeah. in the system. And I think you know those are the different approaches we're going to see as this technology advances. Is what's the more efficient way of rolling out this technology and what is the more acceptable manner that humans will have for interacting with that. Right. Uh, yeah. it, and so we saw it in the computer age, right? Computers, you know, prior to Microsoft and Apple, you know, Steve jobs and all these guys bringing computers, nobody interacted with computers. We did a lot of stuff in pen and paper and, you know, correspondence like that. But once computers were around, people got used to typing stuff in interfacing with the computer system And then that kind of went to tablets and then tablets kind of went to phones and phones now will probably advance into more AR VR where we can, you know, pick stuff out of the air and have these, you know, invisible to everybody else kind of uh, prompts that, you know, either voice voice or, you know, with our hands or eyes or anything will will bring about. And so I think the big thing for adoption, because I think ultimately what you're talking about is adoption and how people adopt technologies and, You know, what's what they find acceptable and not acceptable. (laughs) You know, I think that'll be it, you know, and I think it'll be a preference thing too. Just like we don't have one phone, I mean, some people have an iPhone, some people have a Google Android, we'll have all kinds of different interfaces that hopefully uh, one ring to rule them all. (laughs) Like a lot of people have a problem with that concept, but really, I mean, you need kind of almost um, platforms to work together. And that's a big piece of what we've been kind of preaching to our clients is. Open networks make stuff work together. Um, We saw it early in the mobile industry where everybody had their so-called walled gardens. So if you wanted to Mm -hmm. enjoy content on your Verizon phone, you had to buy it off the deck of the phone. Now that ecosystem is completely opened up, right? Anybody that uh, responsibly writes an app can now launch an app across multiple app stores and other things like that. So we're definitely going to see that. Um, And hopefully it's funny because... Technology companies seem to always um, uh, go back to the the old ways. They understand how to do business, right? Instead of being innovative and opening everything up, and we see a lot of walled gardens taking place in this AR, VR, metaverse space. I mean, Facebook is a great example. It's the Facebook metaverse, and they're not opening it to everybody, you know. So we see these walled gardens happening again. And we all know where it's going to end up. It's going to end up in an open system because we're an open society. We like to interact with each other, and and the technologies have to be efficient. Yeah, they have to be efficient that way, also. So I think we'll see a progression, a life cycle where we start with robots that are AI intelligent, and then eventually we'll go, we don't need a robot. We have, you know, we have a an avatar or something through our AR-VR technology it gives us this, just as much information then people will go, well, that robot costs a million dollars to make where the avatar AR-VR, you know, um, roll of the technology, you know, doesn't cost me nearly that to put together and people can be just as efficient using it. So that's where I see it going.
1: <laughs> I, I love that uh, all these years later, uh, companies still aren't le- learning the old VHS versus beta, you know, fight yeah. that they had, you know. <laughs> but it's <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's
0: VHS beta all the way back to the mobile carriers all having their walled gardens and trying to protect, and then you know all the software systems that Apple doesn't work with, Microsoft stuff. And, and it stays that stays that way because that's the competitive advantage. But I view, ideally, uh, a, a technology world that works all together, and we don't have all these barriers to the advancements of the technology. And that's a big piece of why the technologies are not as far along as... They should be. The, the technology is there. It's not the ability of the technology. I think it's the ability of the human beings, not only on the sales and marketing process, to get these into the hands of consumers, but also just companies unwilling to work together because they can't find models that you know benefit them greatly in that model yet. But they will. They will. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, well, that's uh, fantastic. I, I think this is the most practical discussion i've had on ai we've we've talked about this a bit on the show but i think i did a great job at talking about it in a very practical way which people could see how it'll not be a disruption to their lives but a, a seamless uh way of easier making interacting with the world an easier way uh so thank you so much for coming on the show bob uh how can people follow you uh what's the call to action here Um,
0: Sure. Yeah. You can just go to uh, www.capture.com. So that's C-A-P-T-J-U-R.com. And we have multiple divisions within Capture. We have our B2Well, which is our corporate wellness division. We also run Crest, which is our um, connected health, wellness, fitness, aging um, consortium for all those companies. Um, We also have the Ace of Hearts Project which is um, our foundation-side nonprofit of our group. Um, and so we have all these wonderful things, but you can find those all at capture.com, captju uh, com, C-A-P-T-J-U-R.com. And, uh, you know, reach out, send us a note. We like to keep up with everybody. And then, you know, just to touch back on what you just said about um, practical uses of AI, I mean, that's what we're doing every day for our clients. We're outlining these kind of crawl, walk, run, Um, Scenarios of how they can get involved in these technologies, and you know, use them not only in their own business but also um, supply those to their clients to make the world just a more efficient and um, margin-friendly place.
1: Love it. Well, thank you so much, Bob, and uh, best of luck going going forward with the capture.
0: Yeah, thank you, Todd. I appreciate it, and, and it was great being on today. Thanks. PR 360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.